Please take your Bibles and go to John's Gospel. John chapter 4. If you're visiting with us, there's a Bible in the chair in front of you. You can go to the back. They renumber the New Testament, so you'd have to find uh, page, what's it, page 74 for John chapter 4. John chapter 4. John's Gospel chapter 4. And we did the first 26 verses last Sunday, um, which timed well with drinking real water because we had a few people who drank really good water in the baptistry. That was good. Nobody died. Nobody drowned. So praise the Lord. That's great. I didn't hold them under for too long. Uh, so but this week, we're going to do chapter 4. Just kidding. Dwayne, Pat, Dutch, catch <clears throat> no. 4, 27 to 42. Chapter 4, 27 to 42. I'm going to read, and then we will jump in to see what God has to say to us this morning. John chapter 4, verse 27. And at this, his disciples came, and they marveled that he'd been speaking with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek, or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot, went into the city, and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all the things I've done. This can't be the Christ, is it? Uh, They went out to the city, and were coming to him. In the meanwhile, the disciples were requesting him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know. Therefore the disciples were saying to one another, Did somebody bring him something to eat? Verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months then comes a harvest? Look, I say to you, Raise your eyes. Look on the fields. They are white for harvest already. The one who harvests is receiving wages and is gathering fruit unto eternal life in order that the one who sows and the one who harvests, they may rejoice together. For in this, the saying is true. One sows, another harvests. I myself have sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored. Have you entered into that labor? Verse 39. And from that city, many of the Samaritans believed into him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all the things I've done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they were asking him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe For we ourselves have heard and know that this one is truly a savior of the world. Food. Some people eat to live. Others live to eat. And yeah, we we laugh. It's it's funny. And yet, uh, for many people... Food is a huge struggle for them. I've been reading this book by Ed Welch, Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave. And it's geared towards uh, those who are drunkards, alcohol abuse, and drug abuse. It's geared towards that, but it deals not just with pornography and the likings of that, but also uh, those who are addicted to food. The Bible talks about gluttony. It does. Interesting that 
in one part of the book, Ed Welch says, you know, we, we seem to look at addicts and us as an us versus them. Addicts are them and there's us. Until we start looking at our own cravings. And then we see maybe we're just not so different. The, the thing is, is that our cravings are more socially acceptable, right? And then that's when he says, maybe we're not so different. We have our own cravings. Because for some people, they live to eat. And, and yet, you know, Jesus is going to take this concept of food and drive home how we should desire him. I mean, he did it last week with water. I mean, you, you got to drink water to live. You can't go without water or you'll die. And that's the point Jesus was trying to make. He took that concept of drinking water, what we need to live, and related it to believing in him, receiving him, knowing him, embracing him. And he likens that to worshiping him. And today, he relates food to God's will. So that when we come to John's gospel, when he says, come receive Jesus, believe Jesus, know Jesus, today we'll see, come and eat the Father's food. Come, eat the Father's food. Eat the Father's food. Come, eat the Father's food. Come, do the Father's will and finish His work. That's His food. That's His food. Do the Father's will and finish His work. Jesus was driven to do the will of the Father. And so should we. Jesus was driven to do that. And he was driven to the point of the cross. The cross is the climax of the Father's will. For Jesus to die on behalf of sinners, for us, his people, to take all our sins upon himself so that we can be forgiven and be set free from the slavery of sin. So Jesus was driven to do the will of the Father and the climax of that was the cross. So come, do the Father's will and finish his work. Another way to say this, embrace God's mission for you. For us as his children, our spiritual food is to do the Father's will and finish his work. That's our spiritual food. Let us not be concerned for ourselves or, or merely for the physical things of this life. And it's not to say that we shouldn't eat. Jesus doesn't say that. You know, don't have food. You know. No, he's not saying that. He's relating how we need food to live. You need the Father's will to live. That, that's how Jesus functioned. That's how we should function as his people. Let us participate in the work God has for us, whether it be the work of sowing or the work of harvesting. You may be in the work of sowing. You may be in the work of harvesting. Whichever, participate in God's work. It 
it's far too easy for us to be concerned with feeding ourselves and forget about the harvest that is ready to be picked. We have become too acclimated by our culture. Entertain me, and then you go home. That's what our culture has done to this thing called church. So be entertained, and then you leave me alone. Church, raise your eyes. Look, see the fields, hear God's call. We should be driven to God's mission, but, but even humble that he'd use us. Realizing the results of our labor is not from us. It's from him, it's for his glory. These next phrases, I, I say this to you as a church members with grace for you to think through this. Lift up your eyes and see what's there and yet it's hard to lift up your eyes if you're too busy shooting out the door. And I say that to you graciously. It's hard for you to lift up your eyes if you're too busy leaving. You want to know how you can come each Sunday? Each time the body gathers, here's here's how you can think. Come each Sunday and say, Lord, to whom do you want me to minister? Lord, who do you need me to love and encourage today? But see, we've been acclimated to our culture to just take and not give. We've been acclimated by our culture to just me, me, me instead of giving out. And then we wonder why we deal with depression. And, and think of it this way. This service, these things that we do, as important as they are, This is the equipping time. This is the training time. And then true ministry begins. So the service is equipping time, remembering time, reminding you of gospel grace, reminding you of gospel truth, reminding you of forgiveness, reminding you of Christ Jesus, Him crucified. This is, this is what I'm supposed to do. And right when the closing prayer ends, ministry begins. And then it goes to Wednesday. And then Wednesday 7, you get more equipping time. More remembering time. More Jesus-focused time. And then ministry continues. Until Sunday, the first hour, 9.15. Then you start getting equipped again. That's my role. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm not here to entertain you. Oh, I might be entertaining so ask my mother-in-law. You know, it's not by accident that this meal comes on the heels of Jesus defining true worship. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 26. 
we as his body, we're the living expression of worshiping God, right? Why? Because the real body of Christ and the real spirit is here amongst us. So we, he's here when we're worshiping in spirit and truth. And then as you worship, what's the next thing you do? You start ministering and encouraging and serving each other. That's, that's the idea. And yet, now people can just do it in their own home. They can sit on their sofa and their recliner, put their feet up, and watch church. And then turn it off and go do their own thing. That, that's, that's where our culture is done. And the whole quote unquote COVID 19 has helped contribute to that, hasn't it? So this is the focus, this is the drive that we have is to do the Father's will and accomplish His work. That's the food. And you're gonna notice, um, I'll put the first point up here, uh, the results of gospel ministry work. You have kind of like a sandwich. You have the results of gospel ministry work and then the results of gospel ministry work and then you have gospel ministry, the focus of gospel ministry. That's kind of like the hub, which is what verses. Uh, 34 to 38. That's like, that's the, the meat, so to speak, of the hamburger, right? That's the big part. That's the focus. But then you have what the beginning, and then at the end, you have the result of gospel ministry work. That's, that, that, that's how it's structured. So, so the first aspect we see here is the results of gospel ministry work. Notice how it begins, verse 27. And at this... The disciples came. So remember, Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman. I'm living water. Drink me. When you drink me, that's worship. She's talking with her. The disciples come and they're like, what's going on here? It says they marveled. Really, they were shocked. Surprised. Actually, they were embarrassed. Not only was he speaking with a woman, but a Samaritan woman. A rabbi would not speak with a woman. Period. Add to that, she's a Samaritan woman. I mean, uh, rabbis thought it was, uh, this was taught in Jewish society in the first century for rabbis. It was a waste of time. Waste of time. The great part is, you know, Jesus is anything but a male chauvinist. Anything but a male chauvinist. He would not be bound by sexism as opposed to how our culture portrays him as some male chauvinist. That's not Jesus. Notice um, next part, verse 27. No one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? They kept their mouths shut. These questions were on their minds, but they kept their mouths shut. Good thing, guys. And by the way, the question, what do you seek, it's actually would be directed to the woman, not to Jesus. So what do you, woman, seek? And then to Jesus, why are you talking to her? They were embarrassed by what he was doing. Ha. But God was seeking her, wasn't he? God was seeking her. (laughs) This woman would be used as a catalyst to bring the word to the people of Samaria, she'd be used for the glory of God. 
Because look what happens, verse 28. She left her water pot, went into the city, said to the men, verse 29, come see a man who told me all the things I have done. In response to Jesus' revelation, she bolted back to the city to tell everyone. Her, her eagerness to tell the men of the city about Jesus is striking. Was she avoiding them before? Who knows, but she went after them now. Uh, some have even thought that maybe her abandoning her water jar symbolized she abandoned Samaritan water for the living water. Uh, <clears throat> living water the disciples needed too. Come see a man who told me all the things I've done. Her personal and messy life was central to her. And then the fact that Jesus exposed her, that made a huge impression on her. Come and see. We take people to Jesus. Come and see. This encounter with Jesus to her, it was deep, it was personal. He understood her and her question here, uh, when it says the New American Standard, this is not the Christ, it is uh, presented as a negative Expect a negative answer. Wait, the idea a Jewish Messiah to come for Samaritans? No. 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 Yes. This would be truly amazing. She came to the town to tell the people about Jesus and notice what happens. Verse 30. They went out of the city and were coming to him. They were following her to see what she was saying. We want to see it for ourselves. Verse 31, meanwhile, back at the ranch with the kids. I was requesting Jesus, Jesus, eat. All the while they missed their, his provision. It shows they, apart from the Spirit, they were unable to view Jesus the way he was supposed to be viewed. He was supposed to be received. He was supposed to be drunk. He was supposed to be eaten. Let's go, the rest of us. They were ignorant of what happened. They weren't paying attention. I mean, if they were paying attention, they would have come over and said, wow, what's going on, Jesus? I mean, wow, I talked with this woman. Wow, no way. Wow, this is great. Wow, the, the rabbi eats. What guys, just missing it. They're more concerned about embarrassment and Jesus eating than about the condition of this woman and her true need or of the true need of the Samaritans for that matter. Verse 32. But he said to them, I have food to eat you don't know. The disciples and Jesus, they're both speaking about food. And Jesus meant something very different from what they meant though. You see here how Jesus owns and provides in his very self true sustenance and true nourishment. He is true drink and he is true food. To drink and eat is to believe in Jesus. And this is the essence of the gospel. What is the gospel? You eat Jesus. You drink him. You assimilate him. It's just not a little compartmental thing that you do here and there. No, you take him in fully. You receive him. You believe him. You know him. You repent and trust in Christ. That's the gospel. A response to the gospel. 
Because you know God should judge you and you're a sinner, you should be condemned but Jesus lived, died and physically rose from the dead and you turn from sin, you put trust in Jesus, you receive him. Jesus, save me. You take him in like food and drink. I need you, else I die. So you see Jesus, he owns and provides in his very self this sustenance. And he links himself to the will of the Father. He found his total sustenance in God, and so should we. He's gonna move into that in just a moment. And again, not that we don't eat food at all, but what did Moses say? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I have food to eat you don't know. The disciples. Verse 33. What? Who brought him food? Still totally confused. He used the concept of eating food to direct them to something more real, to what is unseen, to what's eternal. Uh, one writer put it like this He wanted to move their minds to the eternal. And then we come to this part. We looked at the results of gospel ministry work. Now, here's gospel ministry focus. Here's the focus of gospel ministry. This is what gospel ministry should be our focus. This is how, this is the focus of it, okay? Verse 34. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him, will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. This is our focus for gospel ministry. This is central to gospel ministry. Jesus found sustenance in the Father and doing his work. He wasn't denying physical food. He used basic nourishment to speak of something even more basic, even more nourishing, even more needed. He found his sustenance in the Father and doing the will of the Father, and doing the work of the Father. Uh, for Jesus to do the will of the Father, of his Father, it brought more satisfaction than any food to offer. Even, Susanna, chocolate. Yes, Susanna. You must repent of that. Anything else in this world for that matter. I mean, his ministry was submit to and perform the will of the one who sent him. That's, that's what drove Jesus. He was consumed with that. That concept, he lived to eat. He lived to eat to do the Father's will. That's Jesus. His needs were aligned with the one who sent him. Jesus was defined exclusively by the Father and doing his work. And so great is this way of life. Notice he says natural food is subservient to that. I have food to eat you don't know. Jesus works were the very works of God. I work my Father works. So how dependent was Jesus upon the Father? How dependent was Jesus upon his will? How dependent was Jesus upon his work? The work of the Father? He hungered and craved for it like food. 
like chocolate. Like a good juicy hamburger from Colt Grill. Nice steak. Medium. Maybe a little medium rare. He craved and yearned for it. He wanted to be done and accomplished, finished even. That was his food. And what should be the food of all of the father's children? The will and work of the father. The fields are ripe for harvest. Look at verse 35. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I say to you, raise your eyes and see the fields. They're white for harvest. Look, raise your eyes and see. See what is unseen. See what is eternal. People are coming to drink him, me. Look what's happening. This is awesome food, man. This is amazing. This is so good. Do you guys not see this? Look. Look at these people coming. There's the food. And, and, and don't get bogged down with, well, what did Jesus mean by four months? Did, was he talking about, was this January? Was it, who cares? That's not the point. The point is the Samaritans are coming. Harvest has already begun. Do you have the glasses on to see that? Or did you forget your glasses at home? My poor wife, she's at that point. Hang on. What do you say? Let me get my, finish the sentence. Hang on, let me get my glasses. <laughs> Can't see me. <laughs> Fourth thing. My dear wife, she's so sweet. Did you forget your glasses? Matthew, Peter, John, did you forget your glasses? The harvest is white. Look at verse 36. Already, the one who's harvesting is receiving wages. Is gathering fruit unto eternal life. Unto eternal life. It, in other words, it results in eternal life. That's the Greek word unto, ace. So they were becoming followers of Jesus. He was the son has life. Remember chapter three, verse 36. And look at what Jesus says here. So that the one who sows and the one who harvests, they may rejoice together. Both sower and harvester reap the benefit, cooperating in unity. They bond together seeing the fruit and they can rejoice together. The harvest, these Samaritans, it was, they were the harvest, resulting in eternal life for them because they believed into Jesus. They came to know Christ. And look what Jesus says. Begins to help them understand something. For in this, the saying is true one sows another harvest or reaps. Uh, true, the, the, these two have two different tasks. One sows, anticipating what's to come. Another harvest, not forgetting that the fruit is from another's toil. And guess what? Verse 38. I myself have sent you, says Jesus, to harvest for that which you've not labored. Others have labored and you've entered into their labor. I've sent you to harvest that for which you did not sow. 
someone else worked. Others had sown for them. And Jesus doesn't say who. And we can sit here and speculate, well, maybe it was John the Baptist, or maybe it was just, who cares? That's not the point. Don't miss the point of the passage. Jesus sent them, according to God's will and purpose, to harvest what others sowed, others labored, and then they enter into that labor because they're harvesting the fruit. This success was due to those who labored before them, and they get to rejoice in this fruit. They should have been aware of the harvest. And God alone gets the glory for his mission to sowers and reapers. This is a huge lesson for Jesus' disciples. Here they're going to buy food in the Samaritan village when they should have gone there to provide true food and true drink to those Samaritans. They were just not getting it. I mean, we're we're not like that. No way. We get it all the time, don't we? This is a huge exhortation to us. The huge exhortation. Embrace God's mission for you. Look at the fields around you and participate in God's work. Do you realize there are so many opportunities for ministry all around you and not just filling up the Lord's Supper cup? And I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying that. You go beyond that. There's literally, literally hundreds of ways you can be ministering to each other. Ministry's people. It was funny. That, I'll tell you a story. I'm in Jerome, and I'm, I'm for something Friday, and blah, 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 blah. And I, my in-laws are in town. And, well, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I still have to work. And she looks at me saying, are you working? I said, yeah. Ministry's people. That's what I'm doing. She kind of looked away. <laughs> she didn't get it. Ministry's people. It's investing time. It's investing resources in the people. It's far too easy to be concerned for us to be concerned with feeding ourselves and forget about the harvest is ready to be picked. Remember what's happened. We become acclimated to our culture. Entertain me, give me a worship experience, and then I can go about my day, go about my week, and all of you can just leave me alone. That's, that's not ministry. Church, raise your eyes. Look, see the fields. One writer puts it like this. Hear God's call and bring true water to the thirsty and true food to the hungry. That's a good way he put it. We should be driven to God's mission, but also humbled he'd use us realizing the results of our labor is not from us, it's all for his glory. Again, just say this carefully, just graciously. You know, it's hard to lift up your eyes if you're too busy shooting out the door. Ministry's all around you. We should be saying, Lord, okay, who should I encourage? Who am I here to encourage today? You've brought me here. And you've brought them here. Who can I encourage? 
So this is the gospel ministry focus. It, that's in the middle. And then you have uh, the result of gospel ministry work in the beginning, and then you have the result of gospel ministry work at the end. Look at 39. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed into him because the word of the woman. He told me all the things I'd done. It's the result of gospel ministry work. This is the practical, practical outworking of what Jesus said in verses 34 to 38. This is the food of which Jesus spoke. This is the harvest of which Jesus spoke. And notice they believe because the word of the woman, her message was centered upon the living water, upon that word. And she testified. She testified to the truth of Jesus. Is this not also the task of all of us as Jesus' disciples? Are we all supposed to testify of him? Look what happens, verse 40. So when Samaritans came to him, they were asking him to stay with them, excuse me, and he stayed there two days. They were becoming his disciples, which would be why they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed two days with them. Jesus would take this time to teach them even more about himself, which is a good point for us to remember. More times than not, we need to teach people the gospel. I mean, but that's good. We must give them the gospel, we should, and we should give people the gospel. God is just, we're sinners, Jesus died and rose, repent and believe. And many times, they need to be told and instructed in grace in the gospel for them to understand so they can really embrace Jesus. Well, look at verse 41. Many more believe because of his word. They believe because of his word. It takes us back to the prologue, verses one through, chapter one, one through 18. This word is centered upon Jesus and his hour, the cross, because Jesus is the word. So he's speaking about the word. The word is talking about himself. And his focus is, is, is the cross. That's the hour. He's, he would die for sinners. He's the ultimate self-expression, revelation of the Father. And, and then look at what happens here. So vital, verse 42. They're saying to the woman, it's no longer because of your word. One writer says this, her word has been eclipsed by the true word. For we have heard ourselves. We ourselves have heard and know. It was now what they heard and knew themselves. Who exactly Jesus truly was, is. This one is truly the Savior of the world. Now her word was confirmed by hearing the word from the word. Indeed, the Savior of the world, the object of their faith was Jesus, and that was confirmed. But this is also a confession that they had, a confession they made of who Jesus truly was, is. He's not just the Jewish Messiah. God's mission has a grand scope, a great harvest. He's not just for Jews. He's for the world. Probably nobody in here who is Jewish. Striking. The gospel's for the Jews first and then to the Greek. And yet, most of us, not all of us here, are 
are Greeks, Gentiles. We're not Jews. It's not just for Jews, for Gentiles. We're, we're a testimony of that, aren't we? The first cross-cultural evangelism mission was started by Jesus himself. A pattern he calls all of us to undertake and emulate. So, what do you take away from this? Come each Sunday and say, Lord, to whom you want me to minister? This is for you members of Cottonwood Bible Church. This is how we should think. Who do you want me to minister? Who do you need me to love and encourage today? Jesus was driven to do the will of the Father. And so should we. Embrace God's mission for you. For us as his children, our spiritual food is to do the Father's will and to finish his work. Again, just comes right on the heels of worship. There's worship and then we do, we do ministry. That's, 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 the, that's, that's what happens. We get the right perspective, an eternal perspective, a gospel of grace perspective, then we can go minister. I'm not as dumb as I look because when we pray that closing prayer, we'll pray that we'll show that same grace to each other and then we'll display or speak that same grace to others. They'll hear the gospel. So we, so we pray that. Kaylin prays that. I pray that. We pray that. So we're remembering, okay, here's ministry. We have grace. We want to show that same grace to each other and then we want to speak that grace to the world, right? That's ministry. Come, do the Father's will and finish his work. Eat the Father's food. Eat the Father's food. That's his food. You pray with me? And, and Father, we pray at this time that you, by your spirit, will work in us as your church, as your people, that we would display this, that we would eat your food, Father, which is your will. And we'll speak about this, the greatest will as for Jesus, the, the climax of it, which is the cross where you showed us your grace. Let us be people who minister to each other in grace, who minister to each other in love and compassion, who say, Lord, who can I encourage in the gospel? Who can I love? Who needs grace today? And next Sunday, and the next Sunday, who needs that? Use me. Help us as your people to think this way to live this way. And, and we're gonna fail, but thank you, Jesus, you died for that, that's good. So good that you died for that. And you pick us back up and you dust us off. You say, keep going, child. I'm with you. Thank you for your grace. So take this time, if you would, pray that God would work in your heart to do this or or uh, read through notes, read the passage, whatever. F- fill your mind at this time, next minute or so. Fill your mind with truth. Ponder on what we've seen from God's word. The Lord has spoken to us from his word this morning. So ponder through that and think through that. And you know, we'll do what we do. We'll sing the suit songs and pray. 
Take this time between you and the Lord to help deeply implant this word that we've seen in John 4 and plant it deep inside of you. Take this time between you and the Lord. If you would do that, please do that now.